coming tonight, you want to have your O Holy Night ornament that is in your bags ready and to go on your tree as we place the ornaments in the tree tonight as well. And you can see all the Advent Christmas calendar things all on our website, Belong GSUMC. Top right-hand corner of the page says Christmas of Good Shepherd. Everything you need to know for the whole season is right there. Today we do begin the promises of God. This brand new series for the Advent season. And the promise is an assurance that a certain thing will come to pass. We make promises all the time. Sometimes we see them through. Other times they never become a reality. But God is different. When God makes a promise, we be confident that God will keep and be faithful to bring it to fruition. The Bible is full of promises from God to God's people. And there's one life-changing promise that we celebrate every Christmas. God's promise of a Savior named Jesus. So join us this Christmas season to take a look around at the first, a look at four of the first people to see this incredible promise fulfilled. See, God was offering His people hope in Isaiah 9-2. Hope is everywhere. By promising a light that would come to expel the darkness. And Simeon's encounter with the baby Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise to bring salvation to all people. Simeon had the audacity to hope that God would come through, even after years of waiting. So today we want to focus on Simeon and his hope for a Savior. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Gracious God, as we begin this Advent season, as we start this journey once again, as we consider these four people, these four faithful followers of you, may we today think about Simeon, that prophet waiting for the promises to be fulfilled. May it speak into our hearts of where our hope needs to be. Where is our hope? Where should it be? What promise do we live for in our lives during this season? To speak to us through these ancient words of Luke and through these themes of hope that we hear today. In Jesus Christ's name, we ask you to prepare a place, a room inside of us to once again prepare ourselves to meet the Prince of Peace and the King of Kings. In Jesus Christ's name, we ask these things and we hope and we know the promises of God will speak to us this morning. Everybody both here and at home said together, Amen. I invite you to follow along with you version to be able to see the sermon notes with some fill-in-the-blanks to be able to keep your attention and keep you uh, in the Word with me as well. You know, it's kind of sad, but it seems like that each holiday we celebrate is barely over before we start to think and prepare for the next. We're literally less than 30 days from the start of the most wonderful time of the year. That's not now. This is Advent. Christmas is actually Christmas Day, you know, and beyond. We're getting ourselves ready to celebrate that time even though the world thinks it ends on Christmas Day. Christmas is coming, and I know there is a good contingent of you who began the countdown to the Christmas season as soon as the last Christmas season was over. Amen? But maybe some of you aren't that extreme. But most everyone can relate to the feeling of the anticipation of Christmas. 
all those Advent calendars perhaps you have with all their little doors and you opened them up one by one by one by one. Remember as a child making those paper ring chains? Remember make those paper ring chains when you were a kid? All right. It was exciting as each day led up to Christmas you would break one of those rings. But it seemed that those chains were like a, a mile long. And each time you break a link, two would grow in its place, doubling up, getting you to Christmas. Oh, and those presents that were sent under the tree, just begging for me to shake them to determine exactly what it is. What it waited me on Christmas Day. Trying to sleep on Christmas Eve. Remember that? The hardest thing ever. But that's part of the magic of Christmas, isn't it? The anticipation of the holiday is enjoyable as the holiday itself. The truth is, waiting isn't easy. Amen? We're not good at waiting in anything we do. But waiting is at the very heart of the Advent season. This time of year is more than about just presents and holiday cheer. The season known as Advent, which comes from the Latin word Adventus, means the coming or the arrival. And during these four weeks leading up to Christmas Day, for hundreds of years, people have celebrated both the birth of Jesus Christ in His first coming and also the promise of His future arrival in His second coming. Those two things are linked together in Advent. And at the center of our faith is the the belief that when Jesus was born in a manger, He started something beautiful and new right in the middle of our mess. And that through His life and His death and His resurrection, He would restore the world to the way that God first intended it to be. All from the start of a manger. And with His arrival came the four themes of Advent. Hope, peace, joy, and love. Say those with me. Hope, peace, joy, and love. Those are the themes of Advent. The candles representing. And as we make our way toward Christmas Day together, we'll be celebrating those powerful themes every week because there is so much power in them. And today we want to visit the theme of hope. Say hope. Hope. Hope is a word we often use during the Christmas season, isn't it? I hope this tree fits. I hope I get what I want for Christmas. I hope fill-in-the-blank doesn't burn the ham. I hope it snows this year. We've lost the depth, though, of the theme of hope when our hopes are really just wishful thinking about trivial things. This, however, is not the understanding of the Scripture, the word hope. In 1 Peter, the writer uses the word hope over and over again in chapter 1. Check it out sometime. We're given a summary of this word, though, in one of the verses. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Discipline yourself. Set all your hope on the grace that Jesus Christ will bring you when He is revealed. Most of the time we talk about hope, 
It's in terms of the future. But it also has a lot to do with the present. Peter uses the phrase, prepare your minds for action, which is translated literally, gird up the loins of your mind. A phrase you use every single day when you're in the world. Right, Dan? Every day. Gird up your loins for action. Dan leaves the house. Gird up your loins for action! I said it before the Michigan game yesterday. But the phrase comes from an ancient form of dress for men in the Middle East. And there's more details in your, um, so you can look at it. Men would wear a long outer shirt that would stretch all the way down to their ankles. So imagine you're wearing a shirt that goes all the way down to your ankles. It made it pretty hard to move. Pretty hard to get ready for dangerous situations. The next thing you're probably going to do is fall flat on your face when you go to turn. So to gird up your loins would mean literally grab up your outer longer shirt and pull it up and tuck it in so you can be able to move. So our hope is not just meant to be something that only impacts our future. It should impact our present as well. So to recognize that our future is shaped by the present, we're fully aware of both. Hope means that we're fully prepared for what is to come, both in the present and in the future. So basically it's saying, tuck in your shirt, get ready to go, be ready to move on a moment's notice. Now, in any moments to come. Because the first thing that we get from this is hope is a certainty about the future that impacts the present. It's a certainty about the future that impacts our present lives. Our hope is set in specific moments in history. For the example, the arrival of Jesus Christ as a baby sets this whole season off, even in the secular world. And his life and his death and his resurrection were moments in history. And hope is about living right now in the light of a future promise. This hope is about restructuring the way we look at the world. Not as it is right now, but as it will be when Christ comes to set all things right. You see, a mark of almost every person, think about this, a mark of almost every person within the Christmas story is that they were full of hope and about the fulfillment of a significant promise. Every character in the Christmas story. They had heard prophecies like from Isaiah 9-2, which we read for hundreds of years. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. See? The Old Testament holds many promises or prophecies about the coming of Jesus. And each one helped to sustain the Jewish people because they believed rescue was coming. It helped them to live day to day in their dreary lives. In a world that was full of darkness, light was coming. And Simeon is a wonderful Advent character that we usually use somewhere after Christmas perhaps. But he's a perfect example of someone who oriented his entire life around a future promise given to him by God. 
Isaiah 9-2 would have been a centering prayer for Simeon, who was waiting and had been told that after Jesus' birth, that Mary and Joseph took their newborn son, they traveled to the temple to dedicate and consecrate the baby Jesus to the Lord. And when they arrived, Simon was there at the temple as well. Verse 25 of Luke, like Luke 2. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested upon him. Some traditions believe that Simeon may have been around 112 years old. He's been waiting his whole life. And according to Luke 2, 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. His life will be spared until he set his eyes on the Anointed One. How long, O Lord? And guided by the Spirit, Simeon came to the temple, and when the parents brought in the child, Jesus did do for him what was customary under the law. All of a sudden, they arrived at the same time. And when Simeon sees Jesus, he knows immediately who he is. And he's overcome by joy and hope. Say hope. As he realized this is the one. This is the one he and the world have been waiting for. And Simeon took him into his arms and praised God and recites this beautiful prayer which you can find in your notes. Can you even imagine what it was like for Simeon, what he felt? To know the thing you had hoped for so long had finally come to pass? I only know a small bit of that. That's nothing compared to the kind of hope that Simeon had. Not a decade. Hundreds of years. His entire lifetime. Simeon in his many years had seen many painful times in Israel's history and cried out, How long, O Lord? He saw the Romans conquer and occupy his people and his land. How long, O Lord? He saw multiple revolutions by the Israelite people being crushed. How long, O Lord? Yet Simeon held out hope. He believed the Messiah, the Deliverer, was still on his way. And in Luke 2, Simeon now stands at the temple holding the promised Messiah, the one through whom the world would be rescued. I always love this picture because if you look closely at it, the light that's emanating from Jesus and all around, those are actually the continents of the world. So Simeon shows us that hope is birthed out of deep longings and desperate need for God's presence, for God's comfort. And this phrase was in reference to chapters in the book of Isaiah. For hundreds of years, the Israel, Israel had been defeated, destroyed by many different nations. And these chapters in Isaiah were written during that very difficult time. And they pointed to a coming comfort that the Messiah that God would send. And many would look around and be discouraged because that was not the situation at the time. Nothing was happening the way it was supposed to. But there were promises that one day things would change. They could have hope and comfort and encouragement that God would come through. And the word that we're looking at when Simeon's talking and waiting at the temple is very specific. He's waiting 
for the consolation of Israel. The word consolation means encouragement. It means comfort. And so this Messiah would come and they're waiting. Promises that one day things would change. Hope, comfort, encouragement. And Luke uses the word forward that Luke uses for waiting in this passage in the Greek literally means give access to one's self. It's the kind of waiting that you, you do from the deepest part of yourself. It's an awareness of our deep need for something. It's the sort of waiting that hurts. That it literally hurts to wait. Simeon's hope, his expectancy, was birthed out of his awareness of his deep need for God's comfort and healing. Well, I have to tell you, it's, not, it's a sort of waiting that hurts on that screen anywhere. Oh, hey, that's good. During these weeks leading up to Christmas, I would encourage you to allow yourself to feel the deep need you have for God. Many of us, when we get a sense of our need, just fill it with shopping. We fill it with accomplishments, parties, denial, even substance abuse eating all kinds of food. Instead of leaning into our deepest need for God's comfort and healing in our lives, we try to self-medicate and just get through the season. We simply try to distract ourselves. In the end, we miss the hope that is offered in Jesus Christ, which is the reason why when everything comes down, there's that nice January dullness. Because everything we have was wrapped up in the decorations. All the stuff that we do. It was never about Jesus and the hope because the hope doesn't live in the decorations. It doesn't live in the music. It doesn't live in any of those things. The hope lives beyond what's displayed across our mantle. But we lose that. And we try to distract ourselves. When we do this, we're living, but we're not really alive. Look around you. Engage the Advent season. Allow yourself to hope in your current circumstance that bring pain that brings pain that can change but live into the pain be restored by the arrival of the coming of Christ into our lives don't pretend that everything is all good and put together and everything in my life is going the right way and there aren't things that I need to look at and somehow Chris is going to fix everything that's wrong with the world over the last 20 months not that Christmas The ancient prayer of Advent is, Come, Lord Jesus, come. Say that with me. Come, Lord Jesus, come. How badly do you want that in your life? How aware of you of your need for God's comfort and God's healing in your life? Come, Lord Jesus, come. Say that again. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says of Advent, the only ones who can celebrate Advent are the people who carry restlessness around with them, whose souls give them no peace, 
who know that they are poor and incomplete and who sense something of the greatness that is supposed to come. May this Advent season be different for you than than ever before. Don't allow yourself to distract or self-soothe. Wrestle with your pain. Come face to face with the brokenness of the world all around us. Don't try to cover it up. It's only then we see fully the emptiness of our normal Christmas hustle and bustle. If you have to walk by the person that's homeless to get into the store to go buy your gifts and don't do anything, you've missed the reason for Christmas. The world does a great job of telling us what things are supposed to be, but they aren't the things of God. You want to celebrate Christmas and keep Christ in Christmas? There's a whole little thing about that. Feed the hungry. House the homeless. Take care of your brother and sister in need. That keeps Christ in Christmas. And then out of that, deep longing can come the comfort and the hope of Jesus. Because that's the last piece. Hope is found in our deepest longing, but hope is found in a person. In 1 Peter, we are told that our hope is not set in some kind of empty, wishful thinking. It's amazing news, because if it was, then our hope would end in despair and disappointment. Our hope is set in Jesus Christ. Amen? It's not set in our 401k. How'd your 401k look in 2008 and beyond? How'd it look over the last couple of years? It's not set in that. That's not our hope. Our hope is not set in our 401k. It's not in some relationship. Your family can't save you. Your marriage can't save you. It's not in your job. It's not some president. It's not a good medical report. Those things can't save. They will always be something different. Our hope is in Jesus and His promised arrival in the future to restore all that is broken. Amen? That's what Advent is all about. It's not Christmas. It's Advent. And as you read through the New Testament, many folks who come in contact with Jesus miss the significance of who He really is. They did all the time in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Even through the writings in the Old Testament pointing to Him, the Jewish people still missed the Messiah when He arrived. But not Simeon. Simeon saw and knew when he saw Jesus he was the Messiah. Even at just a month old. That he was the anointed one who was promised to God. So why did Simeon get it right when so many other people got it wrong? In short, because people were looking for something Jesus wasn't. They wanted a political warrior king who would overthrow the oppressors of the Jews, the Romans. But they didn't expect the Messiah to be a tiny baby who would come and instead of exerting his power, would give himself up on a cross. It was because people who missed Jesus, it was because their hope was in their specific expectations. And when Jesus failed to meet those expectations, they missed them all together. You see, Simeon, though, had a different hope. 
when our hope is placed in anything other than the promises of God and the fulfillment of these promises in Jesus, we tend to settle for things and hope for things and lesser things. And those things always fail. This morning, in the midst of whatever you're going through, the question really is, where is your hope? Where is your hope? Where is your hope? And how you answer this question makes all the difference. Is your hope based on something you want God to do? Or is it based on God Himself? Because here is the beauty and the dark side of the holidays. At no other time of the year are we more aware of the problems we can't solve, the people we can't control, and the expectations we can't meet. Amen? There are problems that are decades in the making you won't be able to fix overnight because your eggnog was the best around. There are people in your life whom you won't be able to save during the holidays. And there are expectations that you'll try so hard to meet for someone else in your family and you will never be able to do it. But that's not where your hope is. And if it is, it'll always fail. Because there is a difference in being hopeful for something and being hopeful in something. Choose this year to face your deepest longings. Come to believe that there is one specific source where you can derive all your hope, and that is Jesus Christ. And during this Advent season, we don't just idly wait and hope. We don't sit around going, okay, I hope you do something with me, Jesus. In fact, we can sense our deep longing and know our source of hope and then we can live every moment believing the best is before us. And when we begin to embrace the anticipation and the expectation instead of trying to rush through it, but really embrace it, we free ourselves up from the urgency of having to fix things now. And we know that our God is at work. And the question is, how do we join Him in that work? It's an act of anticipation. What is God going to do right now? What is God wanting me to do this very day or this day or in this third day of Advent, the fourth day of Advent, not waiting till Christmas, like I had all my Christmas gifts for Christmas. It's not about that. It's about celebrating each one of the days that we have now. It's about celebrating J.R.'s birthday and not getting wrapped up in Christmas. It was about while my dad was alive, born on Christmas Eve, not getting lost in the shuffle of what Christmas is versus the day of his birth, which was always a struggle our entire lives. And now there is no more. It's like a couple who find out that they're pregnant. They have nine months to wait, and it feels like it'll take forever. And all they can do is wait on the arrival the coming of the child. But then again, there's plenty to do before that baby comes. Paint the room, buy the clothes, get some sleep, because you're not going to get any after that. Baby-proof the house. When we have hope that Jesus is going to show up in our life, we have plenty of work to do in our life 
to be ready to join them. And that is right now. Not waiting for Christmas Day, Christmas Eve. While we weigh in the Lord, what would set us up perfectly for when He arrives in our lives is the question I close with. For some of us, that means this season of Advent is perfect for forgiving someone you haven't been able to forgive or for seeking forgiveness in your life, for pressing into God, for taking that time out and not saying you're too busy to serve people. Go ring that bell with the Salvation Army. Go serve in the places that are in most need. Go help out at the animal shelter. Whatever it is that meets your heart, speak. And for, especially for loving others, don't be that person this season who is the one that comes with the humbug in everything that you do to those around you. You're going to wait in line. Your gifts are not going to get here on time. Gas prices are going to go up. Your food is going to cost more. It's going to cost more to heat your house. All of these things are going to happen. Your decorations are going to fail. There's going to be a bulb out in your Christmas light you'll never figure out. There are going to be all kinds of things that can zap you and drain you of what it means to really experience this season of Advent. So how will we wait on the Lord this Christmas?
today by inviting all of you to join me in engaging this season of Advent. And I want you to recite with me after each stanza I'm about to say, and I'll point to you to say, Come, Lord Jesus, come. Practice once. Make sure you got it. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Thou Son of the Most High, Prince of Peace, be born again into our world. Wherever there is war in this world, wherever there is pain, wherever there is loneliness, wherever there is no hope, come, Thou long-expected one, with healing in Your wings. Holy child, whom the shepherds and the kings and the beasts adored, be born again. Wherever there is boredom, wherever there is fear of failure, wherever there is temptation too strong to resist, wherever there is bitterness of heart, come, though blessed one, with healing in thy wings. Savior, be born each of us who raises their face to your face, not knowing fully who we are or who we are and who you are, knowing only your love is beyond knowing and that no one else has the power to make us whole. Come, Lord Jesus, to each who longs for you, even though they have forgotten your name. Come quickly. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. Amen. Before we leave today, if you'll join me in singing, Come. The long expected Jesus. Thank you.